Tick-borne diseases are an increasingly important health concern. As the geographic ranges of tick species continue to expand, invasive species are being discovered and new tick-borne pathogens are emerging. In recent years, the presence of lone star ticks has been documented in new regions of the northeastern United States. I'm Stephen Morrissey, Managing Editor of the New England Journal of Medicine, and I'm talking with Gudars Molai, a research scientist at the Connecticut Agricultural Experiment Station and an associate clinical professor in the Department of Epidemiology of Microbial Diseases at the Yale School of Public Health. Dr. Molai has co-authored a perspective article about the expanding range of the Lone Star Tick. Dr. Molai, what do we know about the Lone Star Tick? What diseases does it carry, and how much of a health threat does it pose to humans? The Lone Star Tick initially was discovered in the southeastern United States, and that region is its historic range of distribution. However, in recent years, as you pointed out, this tick species has expanded its range of distribution. The tick species, in addition to being an aggressive human-biting tick, it is involved in transmission of several disease agents causing diseases such as tularemia, Ehrlichia or Ehrlichiosis, heartland virus disease. It is also associated with red meat allergy or alpha-gal syndrome. In addition to these disease agents, it is also involved in transmission of southern tick-associated rash illness or story, and a few viruses, namely heartland virus and bourbon virus, and It has also been shown to be infected with rickettsia amblyomatis, that is a rickettsiosis agent in further south. So what factors are driving this range expansion? A number of factors are suspected to be driving the range expansion of this tick species, including the temperature that is probably the main driving factor In addition to the temperature, there are other factors involved, reforestation and increases in the population of a host, particularly deer and other mammalian species, and environmental changes that are either human-generated or caused or are other factors. These are all important factors that drive the range expansion of this tick species in the northeastern and other regions. You say in your perspective article that it's unclear at this stage how the Lone Star tick will interact and compete with other tick species in these new areas. How will the nature of those interactions affect the risk of tick-borne disease in humans? Historically, this tick species has been known to be an aggressive tick species and in its distribution in southeastern United States, it has been able to aggressively compete with American dog tick and displace this species. And therefore, even though we have a lot of unknown or unanswered questions, however, we believe that this tick species has the potential to successfully compete and displace existing tick species in the northeastern United States, including the black-legged tick. And if this happens, we are going to be dealing with not just tick-borne diseases that we have currently circulating in the region, 
We will be dealing with new diseases that this tick is capable of transmitting. You also say in your article that most reports of Lone Star ticks in the Northeast have come from public submissions to passive surveillance programs. Are more active kinds of surveillance needed now? That is an excellent question. Yes, we have in our institution and a few other institutions throughout the region some sort of passive surveillance that ticks are submitted by residents. However, these passive surveillance efforts are not sufficient, and we believe that we have to selectively target those areas that specimens are submitted within the frame of passive surveillance and examine those areas and to better understand the extent of distribution and abundance of this tick species. Fortunately, last year, CDC supported establishment of active surveillance program in many states, and in the future, it is expected that this effort will continue and we will have a better understanding of the distribution and extent of activity of this species throughout the region. Earlier this year, a bill that's now called the Hagen Tick Act was introduced in Congress. How effective would that bill be if it became law at controlling tick-borne disease? That is important initiatives that was taken by two senators in the Senate, and the goal of this act is to improve research, prevention, diagnostic, and treatment of tick-borne diseases. And it will eventually require the Department of Health and Human Services to develop a national strategy. This would enable the Department of Health and Human Services to expand research and interact with agencies such as Department of Defense, State Department of Agriculture, EPA Veterans Affairs, and the Departments of Interior and Homeland Security. In addition, this act will allow CDC to reauthorize Regional Center of Excellence in Vector-Borne Diseases for five years grant at $10 million per year. It is important to note that in 2017, CDC initiated these centers of excellence. And we have these five centers. One of these centers is established in our region, and it is called the Northeastern Regional Center of Excellence. Our institution, along Cornell University, Columbia Universities, and New York Department of Health, are members of this center. It is an important initiative that was built to effectively initiate collaboration between academic institution and Department of Health at the federal, state, and local level. It is meant to train public health entomologists to deal with tick-borne diseases, coordinate research to develop, and validate effective prevention and control tools, and finally to provide regional support to enhance public health prevention and responses. And the third initiative that would enable agencies to deal with vector bone and tick-borne diseases as a result of the K. Hagen Act, it would be to authorize CDC to, to grant $20 million per year that would be awarded to the state health departments to effectively improve data collection and 
analysis support early detection and diagnosis and improve treatment and raise awareness for the vector bone diseases. Finally, what should doctors know about this range expansion of the Lone Star Tick and other tick species? Which doctors are likely to see patients who've been bitten by ticks and what signs should they be looking for? Doctors throughout the region first, they should be informed about the tick species that currently circulate in the region. In the past few years, there has been some surveys that determine that we need to further educate our physicians first to properly identify tick species and then to be well familiar with the diseases that these various tick species transmit in the region, including lone star tick. They also have to be familiar that when they are seeing patients and when they are faced with certain complications or uncertainty, they have to be open-minded about the potential of co-infection and multiple infections in patients. As our passive surveillance indicates, we are dealing with ticks that are becoming increasingly infected with not just one disease agent, but also with multiple agents. Therefore, physicians have to be aware of all these issues related to tick-borne diseases. And as for what doctors should be aware of these things, I would say all the particularly primary care physicians and infectious disease specialists should be aware of these issues. Thank you, Dr. Molai.